Talk Sports fans, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Pucks. And I'm joined um, by ex-hockey um, player Bob Lemieux. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Bob. Listen, you can call me anything you want, but uh, they knew me as Bob Lemieux. Yeah. Um. I just want to thank you for joining me um, today and I hope you're well. I know you've had a, a snowstorm where you are, so I hope you're safe and well. Well, I, you know, I'm in uh, mid-Michigan, the southern part, but I'm halfway between Detroit and Chicago. Uh, I had a franchise here a number of years ago. My wife and I were sent here by the Red Wings the Detroit Red Wings to uh, when I was coaching and managing to build the franchise here in Kalamazoo, which I did. And uh, we won a nice championship and I moved on to what you call football and we call soccer, but uh, and won a championship there too. But uh, in mid Michigan is that time of year where sometimes we have snow, sometimes we have sun, and uh, right now, today, we're in the middle of a blizzard. Yeah. Um, so um, I hope you're staying well. And I guess the first question I've got to ask you is, um, so when you started hockey, was there something that made you take it up? Was there family connection or did you just want to play? No, you know, it's a very good question because uh, as a child, um I was born in the United States. Not very many people know that. But I was raised primarily by my grandparents in New Brunswick, Canada. And uh, as I grew up, I realized my grandfather, Marcel Beliveau, had played for the Montreal Canadiens way back when. As a matter of fact, he played with the uh, with George Vezina. Uh, the goaltenders today uh, win the Vezina Trophy. It was named after him. My grandfather played for him. And my grandfather was a very influential part of my life. And so I grew up a Canadian, Montreal Canadiens fan. And it just so happened that uh, they brought me into the organization about the age of 13. And then I grew in that organization to the time, I think it was 1967, in the first NHL draft that uh, California, the California Golden Seals drafted me uh, into the National Hockey League. I had played, uh, I think, four years at that, three years at that time in the minor leagues and done very well, won a couple of championships. And uh, then drafted into the NHL by uh, California and uh, was two or three years later, I left the game, went into coaching with the Red Wings. Yeah. Had, um, it not been my, had it not been for my grandfather, I never would have uh, become a hockey player, probably. Yeah. And... Um, how did the minor league, um, I know you had a very successful career, did that help prepare you for the National Hockey League? What was the biggest difference, if you will? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, 
first of all, the the minor leagues when I played, especially with the junior Canadians, and we played out of Montreal, out of the Forum, where uh, all all the Canadians played there. And we were little brothers, and it was great because in those days, uh, we got together, worked together, worked out together, and uh, many of the big Canadians helped me with my career. And uh, because any time that they were hurt or injured in some way, they would come down and practice with us. And I think in looking back on it very carefully, uh, when Jacques Plante, the goaltender, uh, was injured, he came down and taught me a lot about playing defense, which I was. I was a defenseman. Uh, Boom Boom Jeffreyon, who uh, ended up in Atlanta, we was Montreal, big star with Doug Harvey. They had the best power play in hockey. And uh, Boomer would come down and he taught me everything I needed to know about playing defense on the power play and uh, the slap shot because he invented, uh, basically invented the slap shot. And uh, with that, uh, with that power play, for those people who don't know, with Jeffrey on defense and uh, Bella and Richard and others up front and Doug Harvey back on defense, the NHL had to change the rule because Montreal was so good that they uh, uh, they would score more than the goal on the power play. So the NHL actually changed the rule that now when you get a goal on the power play, the man in the penalty box comes out. And that was all because of what I call our big brothers. And there were many, many other guys as well that, that would come down and taught me. So... Uh, as as I grew and I grew with other players, uh, there were some Hall of Famers uh, that I played with. Uh, Ivan Cornwier was one of them. Uh, Serge Savard, Jacques Lemaire. Those were guys in my era in the late 60s. Uh, I should say mid-60s. And they went on to fantastic careers in the NHL. And my career in the NHL really was cut short and I'm I'm as I look at it as I look back on it now uh, there's a picture that used to travel uh, in uh, Canadian press I think where Ivan Conway and I would sit there and uh, our skates were uh, photographed and I had the biggest skates and biggest feet in hockey and he had one of the smallest feet so Montreal thought that would be good so they hold up my skates and his skates side by side, and we'd, you know, they'd take pictures and publicize it across Canada. The problem was that because I had such big feet, I could never find proper skates. And as a result, it's not an excuse, it's just a fact of life. Um, I had a lot of problems with my feet and speed. And the one thing about the National Hockey League you have to have is you have to have speed and you have to be fearless. Now, I suppose I was fearless, but I lacked the speed to keep me in the major leagues for a long time. But because uh, I had learned so much 
from my big brothers in the Canadians organization. And I learned so much from my coaches in the minor leagues in Seattle and uh, Muskegon in uh, Vancouver. Uh, that helped me with my coaching ability. And I was very concerned about uh, learning as much as I could about the game so that I could impart or impact what I knew uh, and impart it to my players. And as a consequence, we did very, very well at the, uh, at the, as I was coaching and we came along and as they say, we won a championship there. And, and the next year when I wasn't here, I had moved on to football, uh, which is uh, soccer in America. Uh, they won another championship basically with uh, the majority of the players we had the year before. So I would say that in nine years of coaching and five years of playing as a pro, uh, not including uh, my junior years uh, that I played with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, junior Canadiens, uh, all of that played a tremendous part in uh, helping me uh, with what I was doing in the world of hockey. Yeah, and um, is there one coach or player what had the biggest effect on your development? Well, you know, it's funny you ask that because uh, many people don't know that Scotty Bowman, who is probably after, and I'm going to say this, and I mean it sincerely because I have been one of his students, Anatoly Tarasov for the Red Army team, and I know the Russians aren't to be talked about too much these days. But back then, Anatoly Tarasov, and I played junior against him twice. I lost both times, played against the Red Army team. Uh, he was probably the most influential. Now, Scotty Bowman was, uh, I was Scotty Bowman's captain in Montreal when he was growing up as a young coach. Now, Scotty had... Uh, left the game early because uh, Jean-Guy Talbot, who ended up in Montreal, had, uh, in junior, had hit Scotty in the head with his stick and fractured his skull. But Sam Pollock was a great general manager. I mean, as general managers go, Sam Pollock was the best. So I learned from Sam Pollock watching him make his decisions I learned from Scotty Bowman because he was learning at the same time from Sam Pollock. And I studied Anatoly Tarasov, not only when I played against them, but afterwards I became a student of his and studied everything that he wrote and did. And we implemented that in Kalamazoo. And actually, uh, I forget what year, it might have been 1976, we played the Spartak Russia team that was the best in the uh, Russian league at the time, and we beat them. And that was my dream game. I, I had, as a coach, I had to beat the Russians. I had worked most of my life under these coaches and learning from these coaches. And another one was uh, Joe Crozier, who coached me to two championships in Vancouver. But uh, in, in playing the Russians, we prepared, my team 
uh, was prepared to play them at their game, at the Tarasov game, and we beat them here in Kalamazoo, and it was the only time they were beaten in the United States. And at the time, they were the best team in Russia. So that was the culmination of my career. I, it's the, the one game that uh, I live with more than any others because I knew how much um, I had learned. I knew how much it was going to take. And uh, the interesting part about that is that during the game, the Russian coaches acknowledged me there because in those days we had benches across from one another and they acknowledged me then but then after the game they came down to our reception and cornered me and uh three of them uh complimented me through the interpreter complimented me tremendously on the fact that i had played them at their own game and beaten them what they didn't know was that I was a student of Tarasov. I had played against Tarasov, but I had also studied. I was very serious about my coaching. I also studied in Europe. Uh, I went to Czechoslovakia and Sweden and Finland uh, and learned as much as I could for three years, <clears throat> not coaching there, but in the summer when we weren't playing in the United States, that over in Europe, they were far ahead of uh, North America in their, in their ability to play the game. Uh, so look today at the National Hockey League and you see how many players, great players, played uh, in the Russian, Swedish, Finnish leagues and are over in the United States. So Ovechkin's one of them. Uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the fellow out of Gladno, uh, uh, who was a great hockey player, because that's where I spent my summers, basically, was in Gladno. And I remember his name in a minute, but uh, Yuri, um, anyway, you, you would probably know. But uh, that's what uh, helped me in my coaching ability, was to learn the tactics of the Europeans and apply them to the American game because the Europeans played on a large rink. We played on a smaller rink. And my job was to see how I could con um, construct a game plan for the small rink, but using the European big rink styles. And I did that. And uh, my assistant coach and end coach, Peter Slater, and I developed that program and it was uh, really unbeatable. And that's why we won a championship with it. But Bowman and Tarasov and Crozier were significant uh, contributors to my ability to grow and to play uh, not only play in the NHL and play pro, but also to coach. And, uh, you know, things were a, su a success. Yeah. And I've got a question about your coaching career in a minute, but I've got a live question from one of our viewers. It says, hey, Bob, in yes. hockey, who's the best player you ever played with? Well, you know, I'm asked that question a lot. And do we have time for me to tell you a true story? 
Oh, yeah, that's fine. Perfectly fine. Okay. It was uh, the day after Christmas in 1967, I believe, or 66, 67. And we had played Montreal on Christmas Eve. And uh, it was interesting going back to Montreal and the building that I had played in all my life. We lost badly to Montreal. So we moved on to Boston the day after Christmas. And I am sitting on the bench and I was watching Bobby Orr. Now, remember, Bobby Orr was a defenseman. And I had played against Bobby Orr when he played junior hockey in Oshawa. And it was a Boston farm team. And I was the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. So now we're in the major leagues together. And Bobby's still pretty young. I may have only been 19, maybe 20. I don't know. But I'm sitting on the bench. And Bobby picks up the puck behind his net. And he skates through his own team, all of our team, and scores a goal. The place erupts. The old Boston Garden was an interesting building. And as the place erupted, I stood up on the bench and I cheered. And all the players of my team looked at me and wondered what I was doing cheering for a guy on the other team. And I looked back at them and I said, you know, you have to cheer greatness. He's the best I've ever seen. And to this day, Bobby Orr is the best hockey player I ever saw. I know Gordy Howe. He's a friend. He was a friend until he passed away. And I knew a lot of the great ones. And you can talk about Mario Lemieux. You can talk about Wayne Gretzky. You can talk about the Espositos. And Tony, Tony and I played together in uh, Vancouver in the minor leagues. And I can tell you some stories about Tony. We were very, very good friends. But Bobby Orr, by far, was the best hockey player I ever saw play the game. He could shoot, he could skate, he could stick handle. Uh, he, he had a, a God-given talent that was far superior than anybody else. Yep, offense for that. And one last uh, question I wanted to ask you. Is in regard to your coaching career, was there um, something... Was it just to stay involved with um, hockey? What made you want to do it? Or did you like the aspect of helping young players um, develop their game um, and move forward? Well, you know, I, t I tell you, uh, I was a student of the game from the time I was, uh, I play, first played the Russians. We played uh, the Russians, the Swedes, the Czechoslovakians, uh, when I was playing junior, when I was 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age. And <clears throat> so I began uh, in my mind and on paper to make notes. And as my career grew and knowing full well that I didn't have the speed because of my feet size, I was size 15. Nobody has size 15. And you try and put a size 15 and a size 11 skate, and your feet hurt. But anyway, I didn't have the speed, and that didn't bother me because I had already begun putting together 
what I felt was a pretty good book on coaching. And as a result, I think I introduced some things that had never been done in sports before, at least in North America. They were doing a lot of these things in Europe, but they weren't doing them in North America. And that's one area that I take credit for. For instance, I was one of the first players to wear a helmet in hockey. And uh, now everybody wears them in shields. Uh, the colleges here had used them many, many years before. But in the pros, nobody was wearing a helmet, and I put one on. Uh, the curved goalie stick, there's one other one that nobody realizes that the curved goalie stick really was started in Fort Worth, Texas, in the Central Hockey League by Donnie McLeod. Donnie McLeod play, played for me. I, he was playing for me when he introduced the curved goalie stick. And what people don't know is that Donnie had a bad foot and he needed the curve to be able to redirect the puck. It wasn't for shooting. Like today, everybody uses it to shoot. No, he needed it because he had to kick rebounds away from the shooter. And he developed that stick. And and what goes on from there, uh, weight training. And, and uh, I can tell you that in Fort Worth, with all the equipment, my players would run the stairs every day, work out in the weight room every day, then practice every day. And we were in such good shape. Now, I won't. And then we get to Kalamazoo, and all of a sudden, uh, I get real serious because now I've been over in Europe, and I see what's going on, and I begin to introduce a system, the uh, circular system, passing the puck back, uh, doing all kinds of things. But more importantly, I had my team in uh, at the University of Waterloo in Canada, uh, three times to have biomedical testing done. I knew as a coach exactly what players were had reached a limit of uh, their endurance, and had, I had to back off as a coach and not push them. Others weren't there, and I had to push them harder. We had psychological profiling, and if anybody were to watch Miracle on Ice, the Olympic team win in 1980. And uh, coach, the coach uh, Brooks of, of uh, the national team was a good friend of mine. And I loaned him a book that I had written about hockey. And her borrowed a couple of things. He never gave him credit, but he borrowed a couple of things. And in the movie, if you look at it very carefully, he has a long conversation with Jimmy Craig, his goaltender, about psychological testing. And Craig wasn't about to take a psychological test from Brooks. Well, that was one thing. The other thing that comes out in that movie is they asked them what they used as a system, and it was called the Weave, W-E-A-V-E. -E. Well, the Weave was started by me and my teams, and Herb knew it, and he adopted, I believe, some of the things that we were doing with the weave, and that was not breaking in, dumping the pocket. I don't believe in dumping the pocket. So 
there were uh, also other things. Uh, we had uh, testing, for instance, uh, mind over matter, if you will, um, at the university here in Kalamazoo, where I was uh, looking at players who would have soft tissue injuries. And I knew that through manipulation of the mind, we could get those players with soft tissue injuries back to playing at least five to 10% quicker than normal therapy. And that in itself was a big, uh, a big plus. I don't want to go through the statistics, but these were some of the things we were doing. And it, you know, it was uh, way beyond anybody in North America at the time. Now, today, if you look at a lot of it, a lot of the coaches today are much more intelligent than I was, and they are learning much more than I did because I was self-taught, <clears throat> and I had to learn from the best at the time and go where the best were to learn what they were teaching and then improve on it in North America, which... As I say, Peter Slater and I uh, were successful in doing and winning. And that's how my coaching career developed. Yeah, and um, that just about wraps up the episode. Other than A, to thank you for joining me today, and B, I'd love to have you on sometime in the future. Anytime. I love talking hockey. I love talking to you. And please, please say hello. And you know, I we've mentioned this before. Say hello to all my friends in Hazelmere and uh, County of Sussex because I have cousins there. My grandmother came from Hazelmere, and that's a great place for Tennyson to do his thing. And I have an aunt and uncle that are buried in a church in in uh, Hazelmere. So I'm very, very well aware of Hazelmere in London and uh, everything that you folks do over there. And I love you dearly. Okay. Thank you for that, uh, Bob. And um, I thank you for your support. I'm looking forward to next time. Thank you to David Gardet for your comments today. Um, and until next time, let's talk sport fans. Thanks for watching. <laughs>